you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we continue our coverage of Young Justice Season 4, Young Justice Phantoms, with the thrilling Episode 24, Zenith and Abyss. Stay tuned for that right after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. My name is J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by my own T with a capital T. Zuhair Ali and Andrew Rogers. What is up, fellas? T with a capital T? Yeah, that's what they refer to as the team and the show. The team with a capital T. They never say that out loud, but whenever you see it like in copy, it's a capital T. Oh, like Titan's Tower. Yeah, I didn't make that reference, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Hello! You <laughs> Good to see you guys. Andrew, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Finally got out of the traffic jam uh, outside of the new Hall of Justice, so I, I could be here on time this week. Cool, cool. Definitely good to have you back. I'm excited to talk about this episode. We do have some feedback from the previous episode that we're going to talk about in just a moment, but I'll, I'll just say up top, like I think this in a company with the episode that we discussed in the Atlantean arc that Kari Payton wrote is is up there as one of my favorite episodes of this season and possibly of Young Justice. Oh, for sure. Th- this episode felt very reminiscent of the first like season, which is arguably my favorite season aside from this one. Just mm-hmm. the way that the whole team came together, it was it was really really well done. This week and this little arc in general, I don't even know mm-hmm. if we want to call it an arc anymore because it's just everything coming to a head finally. Yeah. Yeah. Zuhair, you want to give a little teaser for your thoughts before we talk about Fabian's feedback from episode 23? Things are going down and uh, they're getting pretty wild. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Kind of like West Virginia. (laughs) Things are going down and things are getting wild. I'm sorry if you don't get that reference, but I know from my visits to West Virginia that their tagline is as wild and wonderful. They're known for other things. It's, as long it's as a cool it's not state. my Virginia, they can keep all that wild over there. Well, that Virginia is for lovers. lovers. Yeah, exactly. We're on <laughs> the same page there. <laughs> okay. Lovers let's, uh, of let's... Young Justice. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so let us discuss this feedback that we got from Fabian. 
Alright, so Fabian says, Viada the Light in Markovia has the power to influence people to give into those worst impulses, or just influence them in a way he wants. They explain that in the f in the finale of Season 3. Also, I believe the character you couldn't remember was Metamorpho. He was on that mission mm. with Batman and Katana on Santa Prisca Island in Season 3. Also, I liked your point about some of the lesser MCU films moving the story along. I've always said that MCU is like a comic book series. Not every issue is amazing. Some are subpar, with, but move the story along, and I think the same can be said about Young Justice. My prediction is Phantom Girl will have the Martians contact Miss Martian, and they'll join the team in the zone and calling a Artemis and Wally West reunion. Great podcast, guys. Well, thank you, Fabian. That's high praise. I appreciate it. And thank you, as always, for the knowledge you bring. You... I think you're exactly correct about Metamorpho and your prediction, at least in part, there's more yet to be revealed, but at least Phantom Girl bringing the Martians to at least a few members of our team was definitely on the money. Yeah. And I mean, that prediction about Artemis and Wally West. Yeah. I, I don't think I could emotionally handle the baggage that would come with that. Uh, I have a friend who is catching up on the show as we speak because they are currently quarantined and just oh, got no. to the end of season two. And they were like, no, Wally's not gone. They can't be gone. I'm like, you'll get there. You'll process it. I think if they reopen <laughs> those wounds, I just wouldn't be able to do it because I went back through that little bit of grief again. I was like, no, we, we can't go back to this. It's finally gone. Please don't do this again. Mm. Yeah, denial's the first step, my friend. Uh, if we do get some sort of reunion, I'm kind of hoping it's because they're in the Phantom Zone too long and Artemis is suffering the same effects that Connor did and maybe start seeing Wally. Um, but to actually bring him back from the to because to bring connor and wally back mm -hmm. i feel like would kind of like rob us of emotional weight mm. like i i hate to say it but like one of them kind of has to stay dead yeah i agree 100 percent. i do think it would feel a little bit like a cop-out if they were to bring wally back and you, you're totally right denial is the first step and acceptance is the second step and i feel like we all as viewers have have accepted this as much as his former teammates have. So that would definitely open some old wounds and, and would definitely rock our respective worlds. But I, I don't think a cameo is entirely out of the, out of, out of question. Uh, we have seen him pop up already a couple of times earlier in the season. I think back to when Connor was kind of first exploring the phantom zone. I, I believe Wally made a few appearances there kind of guiding him along. Yeah. I, I think you're correct. And I, I don't know how it would actually work for whatever sickness the team would have. Like, would they see similar flashbacks? Like, it's that interesting how they're dealing with the situation because they know they're in the Phantom Zone. Are they going to get the sickness as opposed to Connor, who thought he might be dead or didn't know what was actually going on? Mm. Get in the zone, Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what it, I was giggling about earlier. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I get that. Um, it does make me think back to like just thinking about thick. Excuse me, not thickness, sickness, not thickness. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about how sickness would be kind of the catalyst that brings Wally back in like a hallucination standpoint or what have you. Uh, it makes me think back to I think it was season three when Dick Grayson was having like the fever dream about Wally, like racing around with them. And they were both like back from season one, very young. And it was almost like a video game format. Like it's kind of interesting that Wally has to keep being brought back through like sickness. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really the show's great conversation of how people are processing things because there was Dick Grayson kind of finally coming to terms with the death of that. There mm. was this part in season three where Artemis asked, uh, you know, Zatanna to bring him back. And actually, it was Miss Martian giving the, you know, images. But it's all these different ways of people having to process what's going on and. I, I don't know if it wouldn't be totally necessary because it feels like all of our characters are, again, past that point, fully at acceptance. We had that entire arc with Artemis finally getting over it and, you know, going back out into the dating and love world at least a little bit. Mm. I, I, I don't want to critique what the writers would do because I'm sure they would bring him back in a good form, but I mm-hmm. almost don't want to see it because they did such a good job of finishing off the entirety of what was that romance between the two of them. Yeah, I, I agree. It would feel kind of like kind of like backpedaling and a regression of the character development in some ways. That's a good point. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to say about that, I feel like the last part of his email, or not the very last part because he got into speculation, but where he acknowledged kind of our conversation where we compared certain episodes to like entries in the MCU in particular, Iron Man 2 and Age of Ultron. That's kind of one of my takeaways from this episode. I recall, not to make it all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I recall when Age of Ultron was coming out. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Age, Age of Ultron. There's a lot to love there. But I remember when the first teaser trailer came out, like they just really sold this like dark and dire tone. And it really seemed like Ultron was going to be the force that broke up the Avengers and potentially killed like a lot of them. And like, that's what I think made this episode work so well was the really dark tone and like the dire heightened stakes, just kind of seeing the villain win in the end, we left off on a cliffhanger and that can be frustrating sometimes, but I was really, I really liked the way this episode left off with like Lord Zod and Zod kind of being in a reunited moment of victory there. But even like the opening scene, just like really like, made you have a super distaste for Lorzad, the way he was interacting with Tomar 2 on Oa. And like Tomar 2 just came across as incredibly like young and naive, not realizing he was talking to his father's murderer. And there was just so much like malice behind Lorzad's smile. Was that Tomar 2 or Tomar Ray? Because, and this could be me completely missing the timelines. I thought it was like, before everything had happened well he said that he believed he knew his father so and i believe he introduced himself as tomar too and he said like i knew your father he was you know a great lantern with a lot of willpower and a great showcasing of his power i hope that you follow in his footsteps and that's where he kind of had that evil smile so i, I am fairly certain that tomar too was tomar ray's son you are correct because i was on the same thought processes andrew where i was like did he go back in time to get this information and he's talking to the younger person the guy he just killed but no based off of um uh credits it is green lantern tomar too so this was before Mm, he went back in time to try and free his parents so he probably took the kaiser thrall from the future back with him is kind of where we're getting I don't know, because I did specifically read the date card, and I hated there was no year. It just gave us a month and a time. Yeah, yeah. So, I was yeah, like, so this he hasn't gone me. back in time again yet. Like, he's still, like, on our timeline. Okay. I can work with that. I think it's just one of those things, like, unless you know that he has a son, it's kind of confusing, because they look exactly the same. 
they do look very similar. I think it was the vocal performance that really sold the fact that it was a, a younger character. But uh, the whole Dean Bradley Baker. Okay, cool, cool. Then the, I think they're actually fun. voiced by the same guy, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So that just shows his versatility right there. But the whole debate and like both of you thinking that it possibly could be time travel just kind of reminds me of how we were kind of talking about the bio ship being hooked up to the cosmic treadmill and what its capabilities were. Could it actually time travel? And I think it's been proven at this point that, uh, Andrew, I think you specifically were were right when you said time travel might be out of the question, but it certainly allows them to kind of travel between these various dimensions and, and great lengths of distance in a short amount of time. Because it seems yeah. like he's trapped in the present or our present, his past. Yeah, I'm guessing that was part of the whole time sphere breakage that happened on new Genesis um, in the last couple of episodes that we had Mm. there was kind of him getting stranded. But yeah, you talk about all of these things at their disposal. And I think this episode did a really good job of eliminating any speculation we could have of how they get out of this, basically proving every threat wrong saying, Mm. all right, Zatanna's magic doesn't work cross that box off as a way to get out of this. Uh, They're on a planet with a red sun. Superman can't help cross that box off. Mm. All right. Well, we know Dick Grayson's always prepared. He's probably got kryptonite, right? Nope. Cross that off because they took it away from him in the phantom zone. They just did such Mm -hmm. a good job of writing out these threats that I would have assumed were the way out had we not gotten those moments. So it was just a perfect way to make us wonder how this goes as you talked about the threats in the cliffhanger they are real threats because all of our possible tools are pretty much gone so i'm gonna backtrack a little bit because that kind of rides what i wanted to say off of babin's email um so you, we were talking about the the mcu connections first off i love validation so thank you for seeing my point on that um <laughs> with zod because of this menacing persona and kind of like how we're getting the true intention of what's supposed to be happening towards the end, I hope that he doesn't get taken out at the end of the season and we actually have like a big threat that we have to worry about next season. Whether it be big or little, I kind of hope it's both. Like I don't want any of these villains to be taken out at this point because Mm -hmm. it's nice having like one set threat whereas because we're so used to the uh the episodic nature of the show and Mm -hmm. having like little threats here and there and then like the threats were kind of dealt with depending on the storyline throughout all these arcs like it's cool that like all of our heroes are just against this one dude that's not part of the light yet he could be Mm. um so i kind of like that direction and then based off what you guys were saying about how like all the options are kind of weighing down against them. It's, it's interesting to see how menacing he actually is when he's outside of the Phantom zone and has like assets. Cause apparently there's like forts and stuff. Like there right. could be this whole legion of Kryptonians out in the galaxy that just nobody knows about. Cause they've been hiding, just waiting for Zod's orders. Well, I think they said they were in the Phantom zone. They were the other forts. So basically then they just have to bring them out. And then they have an army, like you said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, that I was my understanding as well. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, you bring up the light there, and I'm going to jump all the way to the end of the episode because this was the one and only 
kind of hope that I thought we had was that post credit scene or whatever we want to refer to them as um, that looked a lot like I thought it was like a Vandal Savage fort chair kind of situation mm. with Tickle taking the nap there. So I had this wonder, okay, is it going to be Savage and Clarion that come back and help? Or is it, you know, how does this go? It could be the opposite of them helping. And actually they come and recruit Zod and say, all right, you're going to be with us now. Let's take over the world. So hmm. I'm curious to know, That's but I'm anticipating. I really agree with you, Zuhair. I want to see this be a bigger threat than the remaining two episodes. I want this to be at least a some part of next season in a large capacity. Yeah, yeah. I agree with the post credit scene there. I, I recognize Tikal, but I didn't think about the chair, and I definitely didn't think about Vandal Savage. But thinking about the light, my thought was going to... We have these this these kryptonians on the planet with the red sun trombus but what happens when they make it to earth like they have to make it to earth we have to see these kryptonites in all their glory for lack of a better term like with their full power set to make them the fully realized threat and i could definitely see a situation where we have seen lex luthor work with our heroes before to save the fate of the planet as evil a guy he is Ooh. his ambition has always been in some way to save the earth and save humanity so if they're all pitted against Kryptonians, I could definitely see a situation where where the light has always been the thorn in our side and our foes. I could certainly see a situation where our heroes kind of have to join forces with the light for this greater threat. So yeah. my, my big concerns right now, and also I do want to say I love that it was, the planet was called Trombus right after talking about how they need to get back to the bus, the school bus. Mm. Trombus <laughs> school bus. Uh, I am scared for Superman right now. Because the Phantom Zone scene was talking about how you have to rely on your ability. And Superman historically does not know how to fight because he's so used to just being strong. And just diving into everything. So I'm wondering, like, how much his, like, martial arts capability is, I guess. Like, can he actually go toe-to-toe with somebody? Mm -hmm. And we've seen how capable these guys are. And, you know... uh, who was it that gave the whole list? Uh, Black Lightning gave the whole list of like, we got this many Martians and this, this, whatever the list was. Yeah. I, I'm scared for him because there's a lot of hate towards the L family. And if all mm-hmm. these Kryptonians are coming through and he's not only incapable of fighting, but also being sucked out by the Red Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh... Yeah, that was my one question that I have written in big, bold letters why did Superman go? Like, I get it. You want to help your brother out here, but you know you're going to a place you are going to be literally powerless, if not weakened. Why would you go? Like, I I don't totally grasp that in a full understanding. Like, I feel like he would have been more reserved, said, I'm going to stay on Earth, monitor you from the watchtower. If you need more help, I'll be the one to call Batman. Like, yeah, I felt like that was weird. Yeah, that makes total sense, and uh, I guess they gave that role to Aquaman instead. But I actually had similar fears and hesitations as well to the fact that, or to the point where I had to like rewind the end of the episode right before we got that credit scene to see who exactly Lorzod was standing over when he welcomed his father there and said, the galaxy is yours, because I thought for a second 
it might be Superman, but upon rewinding it, it was actually Kid Flash. Mm. So yes, yeah, because Superboy does not seem to be still in his right mind. Even like seeing all of his friends and having those flashbacks to their actual life together, he believes that he killed Superman. And even when he reunites with Megan, like through the mental link, he is scared to go through that portal. It's only Zod that can force him to or coerce him to. And that loyalty he still has is frightening to me. Dude, his injury. Oh, yeah. He was just bleeding everywhere the second he got out. Ah! Yeah, we were talking about opening old wounds. That literally happened there. (laughs) (laughs) And the team doesn't even know where that boom tube goes. Like... They don't realize that their friends are like in serious danger right now. Right, right. Which I think really we were speculating about them, you know, suffering the various effects of Phantom Zone sickness. I think it's a real possibility because Nightwing says that they don't know where it's going, but they have to plug up that hole. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely see a scenario where they're stranded in the Phantom Zone. My own speculation, I do think with the showcasing of Phantom Girl's powers or Ghosty, if you will. I love how everyone's still calling her Ghosty that doesn't know her (laughs) hero moniker, including Zod. Um, Seeing her unsuccessfully try to go back to the Phantom Zone and going to her homeworld and just kind of that kind of really dour and heartbreaking note there. I, I feel like it would be a great character moment for her to be able to actually go to the Phantom Zone at will and be the one to rescue those remaining heroes there. But they still have the bus. Oh, right. I completely forgot about the bus. And I honestly thought of a different character that might come back around as well to save them. Oh, yeah? Um, Who's that? I was wondering if Halo was going to play some sort of a part after we watched her, you know, very well use her powers in the last episode to open boom tubes. Mm -hmm. And they kind of left us on that weird cliffhanger of what's happening in Markovia and what's going on in her life despite her not playing a major part so far mm-hmm. i wonder if that's going to be some part of it is all right a couple people on earth know they need to go up for help who do we call to help us all right let's bring halo in let's let and i apologize i think i said her a few times let's mm-hmm. let them use their powers get us to trombus or the phantom zone and really you know swing back help the team out that they were such a great part of before and maybe this mm-hmm. is how we get Brion's redemption is Brion and the infinity squad help get them out i don't know mm-hmm. it felt disjointed but now that we have seen that they can open boom tubes i wonder if that's going to be a part of it yeah that's great speculation i'd it's funny that just shows how much is going on this season and how we've gone back and forth between all these various stories we spent all that time with halo last week and got to see them use their boom tube powers but I'm also thinking of the character of Danny Chase. Like we got a lot of revelations with the Kaiser Thrall and who that 11 year old human mind actually was. And I don't know what his fate was at the end of this episode. Like when Ma'afalak basically wisps him away in like a green mental shattering or whatever you want to call it. It, I did not feel very good for his fate. I, I hope he's not completely gone, but I mean, the Kaiser Thrall is still there and, capable of power so even if he's not in control i think his mind is still intact in some regard but he would it would be great to see halo take him under their wing because she's gone kind of through a similar trajectory being Mm -hmm. the subject of like new god technology and resurrected in a way 
I will say there was that line that he said that it wasn't vaporized, but it was something similar to like, okay, you're gone now. That makes me really nervous. He said fractalize afterwards, but that's when the Kaiser Kaiser Thrall shot out all the beams to like uh, basically knock out our various heroes. So I didn't know if that was a command. My understanding, well, first, my understanding was that that was a command. Mm-hmm. And also that like, I think... Um, Danny Chase was kind of like in the driver's seat of the Kaiser Thrall. Mm-hmm. And because the way that he responded to Mafia like coming in, he's like, oh crap, like he's going to kick me out of the seat again. Like I'm losing control. So I feel like he just uh, kind okay. of put him back in like solitary. Yeah, because that's that a question. Sense. Who was controlling the Kaiser Thrall before? I know someone was giving the Kaiser Thrall orders when they were, uh, you know, raiding the compound of. I want to say Mento now, but that's not who it was. Um, oh, Metron. Metron, thank you. When mm-hmm. they were raiding that, I know someone was giving orders. Was that Ma'alafalak? And then that would make some sense that he was coming in, taking control, and then kicking him out? As I recall, that episode where they were basically doing the heist in Metron's lair, I want to say it, it felt like Lorzad was the one giving the commands, but it very well could have been because Ma'alafalak had subdued Danny Chase at that point in time. I'd totally buy that, but it's just unclear at this point in time. But they had just recruited Mafalike at that point, too. Because Mafalike mm, entered fair. the little hex orb for the first time. Yeah. Zolid, uh, Kaiser Thrall, and that the other Forager were all in there. But I do want to say that I think in that moment... That oh! Was- it was the father box. They were probably using that to control him. <laughs> what? Andrew's reaction when you were like, oh. oh. You just clipped real loud, and everyone at home, you couldn't see me. I, my eyes got real big there. I, I jumped out of my seat a little bit. Yeah, that's my game now. Do I sound okay? Uh, You're peeking. You're peeking. We're peeking the mic there. Uh, what I was saying, oh, that's what I was saying. I believe in that moment, it was just Lorzad and the bigger forager that I cannot remember the name of. Um, and then oh, Mantis, Mantis. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Darkseid said, all right, you are going to follow his orders. And here's this device, a.k.a. the Kaiser Thrall. So that might have been just after um, they had taken his brain out and put it in. So there could be some connection there. But as you pointed out, there was also a father box involved. So yeah. it's the good thing we don't totally need to understand the technology. I think we just like to wonder what all of this actually means in the scheme. It all makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Those are all fair points. I guess it was just like the level of recognition Danny had from Alphalect. They had clearly interacted yeah. before. And with his flashback, I mean, the one person, I think it was, oh yeah, it was McGann that mentioned that Desaad had spent time with him, but um, I, I hadn't remembered that the Kaiser Thrall was kind of entrusted or gifted to Lorzad at the same time Ma'alfalek was, so that tracks, and, and I can buy that. Talking about like the, the box technology and all that, I liked Orion's incorporation in this, mm-hmm. and how he's like so willing to help out like just due to their reliance and all that. Uh, just that, that whole engagement, because I feel like he was, him and the Green Lantern Corps are more of a highlight of that arc than Brock had ever was, and True. I'm sorry, but she's still pretty useless in the Phantom Zone right now, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she she seemed to be taken down a little quicker without her great hand-to-hand combat skills. She couldn't use her spears either, so it's like, yeah, stay at home there, dude, because apparently uh, you got an admirer that misses you. That was yeah, such right. a cute scene. I, I loved it. Loved, I loved that it. moment. Yeah, it was a fantastic moment, and I I do agree with you. It seemed like Rocket was definitely the weakest when it came to hand-to-hand combat. Like she might be a little overly reliant on her powers, which you know could speak to the brief amount of time that she spent with the team as opposed to the Justice League. Boy, did I get defensive when um, one of the guys covered Zatanna's mouth. I was like, get your hands <laughs> off. The way he grabbed her, I was so I was really scared for a second that he was going to go for like a neck snap. The way he grabbed her, for whatever yeah. reason. I know the show's just, not that just, dark. That made me mad. I was like, yeah. uh-uh, back well, there, up. There is the interesting question of whether or not they actually could have killed one another in the Phantom Zone. I was wondering that. I was like, what are the stakes here? Scene has been that the Leviathan could do damage. We never actually saw any of the others do any sort of damage to one another. So that could Mm -hmm. be because I also had that moment of like, why didn't they tie up the team when Dick Grayson reached into his utility belt to pull out the kryptonite? Because they don't have rope. They don't have anything. So I think the stakes probably weren't that high, but it was still a big moment. Speaking of those injuries, there are two like really fine details that happened in the Watchtower that I thought were incredible. And the first one was at the end of the last episode when when Ghosty's hand was coming out of the lava and you could see it all burnt up. Mm-hmm. It never zoomed in, but they had the ring in enough detail that you could see it, like it stood out a little bit. Definitely. And that was such an important detail because that was the hand that was bandaged up for Superman to be able to see. Yeah, And I remember thinking, like, wow, that ring is really prominent, her screaming right now. And I was like, oh, yeah. there was actually a purpose for that. Right, <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Definitely. Animators with a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have another point? You said, I think you said you uh, made you think uh, of a couple points. When the Martian, I actually, like, rewinded just to confirm this. When the I think Martian I know where you're going with it. came through the boom tube, yeah. uh, it was just Superman and McGann that bowed. The rest of them yeah. around the introduction, but Aquaman did not because he is a king, and a king does not bow to a prince. He ah, is a okay. agent, sir. He is he not a king a anymore. Nod, but he didn't do the full like bow that the, that the rest of them did out of respect. And I was like, all right, flex. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I did have a question in that moment, and... Uh-huh. I don't want to go fully into speculation mode because I I don't know if there's an answer. How did they boom tube there? Because the whole Mars arc was trying to build a boom tube between Mars and Earth. And that got completely blown up. They said it was going to be a long time until they could ever get that project back up and running. Are we just assuming that they did somehow get it back despite their chief scientist coming back to Earth with McGann? Also, where has she been? Felt like that was going to be a big deal. But yeah. her sister just completely disappeared. Right. Um, I, I was just like, wait, since when can they get from Mars to Earth? That was a huge plot point that they had to take the javelin to get up there as opposed to just boom tubing there and vice versa. It was just a weird thing that they didn't address. And I found it kind of odd. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a, an excellent point. I, I think you're referring to Zeta tubes rather than boom tubes per se, because it gave the, yes, like the an- announcement. And the thing that stuck out to me there was, yeah, it made sense for the prince to be recognized, but the fact that Phantom Girl was recognized and given like a designation kind of like threw me for a bit of a loop there. 
Like, did it just come up with that on the fly? I, I don't know. But um, I did want to circle back to a couple of things. Zuhair, when you brought up that point about Superman, I, I didn't really see it as a bow. I saw it as more of like the Martian salute, which I thought was just a great, like, man. yeah, a great subtle nod to the fact that he had interacted with these Martians before. And maybe that's his, that's why he's so invested having been, you know, one of the more prominent, like cosmic heroes, I I guess, especially now that we know that icon is dead. It seemed like icon was kind of filling that role. I don't know where Martian Manhunter is right now. It seems like he should probably be around for some of this stuff, but I'm sure he's off doing something. There's just a lot going on on earth. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, But when you brought up the whole importance of the ring, it was one of my favorite parts of the episode and what, uh, how it really stood out to me how well this episode was done. Like the show's always had like some really good scene transitions, but I loved going from that recognition of the ring to transitioning to the bio ship, having Lorzad there looking at the Legionnaire ring and kind of messing with the AI and being concerned about a third Legionnaire out there. That was just an excellent scene transition, not just visually, but also thematically. Very well done. So I I got a little bit of fun, quick research here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the minute you said that they were assigned designations, I was like, that is curious. How did they get them? Mm -hmm. Um, So they were both assigned... A50 was JMJX, uh, the prince, and A51 was Phantom Girl. Apparently, A designation is literally just guests. Oh. So throughout the show, people have gotten different designations, and even in this episode, A52 was Orion being the 52nd guest allowed uh, up onto the watchtower. So I guess they've just been doing a really good job of keeping track of all of these designations throughout the show, because there's so many people, even Clarion is listed as a guest that was apparently allowed in at (laughs) a five. So, wow. Interesting. That's fun. That was when, uh, Savage let him in, right? Uh, I'm going to guess so because Savage was four. So, okay. Which harp, um, Roy gave him that access. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, okay. it's funny that he didn't give them any sort of permanent access. It was just guest access, despite still hacking into the system. And speaking of, you know, that was after Roy became part of the Justice League, and we actually got, like, that little moment of when they took that, I guess, selfie? Because she just used her powers to take it. Yeah, that was a cute moment. That that was, it's amazing because that's that same picture that's been coming up throughout the season that Zuhair pointed out in like episode two that he loved it. He saw it on the wall and he wanted it framed himself. It's right, popped up right. like five other times and we finally got the picture being taken. That's just so, so cool. You guys yeah. ready for a goof about that? Okay, what you got? In the flashback to the day the original team photo was taken, Connor is wearing his short sleeve shirt, but he was actually wearing a long sleeve shirt. Mm. <laughs> yes can't get anything past us young justice <laughs> credit to youngjustice.fandom.com yeah <laughs> um for lack of a better transition just talking about sleeves let's talk about aquaman it's not particularly about his mag magic sleeves but um, there were a couple of things about the calderam version of aquaman that i wanted to address in this episode i loved the callback to his own fractured mental state when they first found Connor and Connor was like, I can't go back to these relationships. It's all broken. He's like, that can be fixed. Trust me. I know this from experience. Just great for anybody that's been watching the show from the beginning and know, knows everything that he's gone through. Really love that. But then we talk about the MCU references when they were fighting in the Phantom Zone, 
there was one point in time he was using a shield and a hammer. And yeah. I just have to imagine <laughs> that is a Captain America in-game reference there. It didn't last very long, but it was great to see. Yeah, because it was like specifically around shield with like an interior part of it too. Yes, Other exactly. Cool. <laughs> he is worthy. Adding on to his importance, like they even flash back to the similarity of the scene where Aquaman told him to stop when they first met. Yes. Um, when he first broke out of his little clone tube. Right. And just the the presence of Calderon with the team in that scenario and just having like it, there's so much a first season of like am I a leader? Am I guiding these people the right way? Do people trust me? Am I fulfilling this role that's given to me? Like, you get to see more of how that's evolved with the dynamic of the same people, and that that part, like, got me a little bit. I was like, oh, man, you've come a long way. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and to know how far we've come with them, like, again, you said all these flashbacks, the, the one to 13-year-old Robin in, like, the first episode still wearing sunglasses. He's when so he little. first looked at him, it was just like, wow, they really have grown up so much together. Yeah. I hope we get more of these flashback scenes when they are slowly restoring his memory, just because I think it brings a little warmth to the fans to remind us of how far we have come with them, that we have grown over, I mean, the show's been a 10-year period in like their time, I want to say it's been a 12 year period in the outside world. So it's been such a long time since we have started this journey. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's really interesting on Nightwing's character design, how his eyes were like blacked out speaking of the sunglasses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah. Everybody else has like amber eyes and it was kind of cool. Like, cause we knew what Zod looked like in full co- color due to the fantastic promotional art that we've plugged. But this was like the first time within the episode, I, I think, I kind of really connected the fact that like seeing characters that we're used to seeing in full color and seeing them in the phantom zone and realizing like they invert blacks and whites there, because I guess Superboy's hair is kind of like not jet black. It's kind of like a neutral kind of black. So it doesn't get that same effect, but realizing that Zod is not as old as I thought he was. I thought maybe he had a white beard, just seeing him in the mm-hmm. phantom zone yes. so long, but actually seeing him emerge from the phantom zone and the fact that he's got like, jet black hair and ursa has white hair is just really cool visual continuity there and i have to imagine the animators had such a blast like choreographing and animating that action sequence with all the translucent like bodies and materials Mm -hmm. that were happening like that was really phenomenal that was very uh ghost in ant-man the wasp yeah (laughs) Yeah. all that all that transferring but yeah i was thrown off when um when Ghosty didn't have blonde hair, just because it was like more bleached out mm-hmm. looking in the Phantom Zone. Right. Yeah, I think that was the one thing is I just completely forgot how Phantom Girl looked. Like we did yeah. get those couple glimpses in the first arc. And then after that, it was all Phantom Zone. So I was like, oh, yeah, she does have that like pale bluish skin kind of going on almost white close to Miss Martians. And it was all those little notes of, wow, I completely forgot what this character was. And they did such a good job because I was even thrown off by some of our team, like some of uh, Aquaman Calder's suit. They just had a very distinct, almost opposite color of everything. Like the greens had a little bit extra or not green. The orange had a little extra blue, almost on Mm -hmm. the opposite end of the color spectrum, which was really cool. If you're picking up on all of those notes. 
Yeah, yeah. It was almost like the spectrum had been like uh, inverted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But they still got like playful with it. Yeah, it's... yeah. Speaking about Phantom Girl, though, one thing I'm I'm looking at the voice credits here, and I'm kind of surprised I had never looked up the voice act actor for Phantom Girl before. But her name is uh, Carrie Walgren. And I could have sworn, like, if you would have asked me before I looked that up, I thought it would have been the same voice actor for Phantom Girl and our Mountain Green Lantern Forager, because they sound quite a bit alike to me, but that is not the case. That is Nika Futterman. So, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting how similar they sounded, and they're completely different performers. A friend of Forager is a friend of Forager. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the moment that Miss Martian uh, walked in did not miss a beat and was like, "Oh, Forager has been telling me so much about you. Oh, yes, I want to see Forager, but first Forager has to go through all the the Forager God, duties." It still <laughs> drives yeah. me nuts. I just can't handle two. It's too much to keep track of now yeah. that you have to figure out which Forager Forager is talking about. Or when Forager introduced the Kaiser Thrall and this, this is the Kaiser Thrall. It is called Kaiser Thrall. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Please speed this along." <laughs> Uh, well speaking of the kaiser thrall and its green lantern connections i did want to go all the way back to the beginning of the episode we talked a little bit about that opening scene but one of the the other things that i really liked about the episode and just really ratcheted the tension and like made me feel so desperate is when kilowog was in the background it was like hmm this lore's odd the stacks might look suspicious but it was like one by one he was, as tomar mm-hmm. too was checking off everything it was like oh okay no criminal record you're a daxamite uh you're not in the the system and then kilowog just kind of turns away and it's oh i really want kilowog to be able to get his his revenge uh, i guess yeah. revenge isn't the right word but vengeance i am vengeance <laughs> uh yeah we haven't seen vengeance show, mr vengeance show up at all yet no, not all season, huh? And I will say, we talked about wanting to see these Kryptonians under a yellow sun. Mm-hmm. I want to get a full moment of what Batman vs. Superman could have been, where Batman is going full out on one of the House of Zod and mm. just gets to actually show us the full Superman protocols of how he would take them down if he has to. That's my one wish, as well as what you talked about with Lex Luthor. Yeah, that would be badass. <laughs> By Dick Grayson in USCV. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. not Bruce Wayne after all. Yeah. I guess uh, one of the last things I have to say about this episode is, is I really appreciate the title Zenith and Abyss. Like I find myself when I'm talking about a lot of content and whatnot, one of my kind of like go-to phrases is like highs and lows. And I feel like this is just a much better way of saying that Zenith and abyss. And I might like have to start incorporating that into my vocabulary a little bit more. Just the Zenith and abyss of it all. Great, great title. What does that mean? So like a Zenith is like the highest kind of point of like, ah, okay. Yeah. And then abyss is obviously the depths. Like peaks and valleys, but yep. Pinnacles and really just a clever way for them to get the, uh, Z in the titles as we get to kneel before Zod because I exactly. think and we got that line in uh was it last week's episode I believe yes Superboy said it to Phantom Girl yes yeah uh no it was awesome and yeah you bring up the names of the episode and 
we finally found this is what the Dick Grayson arc titles are all going to be is something and something I've brought up. They all have a theme and that's going to be these last bunches. Everything is something and something because it was rescue and search ego Mm. and super ego Zenith and abyss. Who knows what the others are going to be? Maybe order and chaos. If Clarion is coming back, Uh, that's going to be, it's going to be my go for the O in all of that. The last one's going to be uh and O. (laughs) <laughs> uh and oh <laughs> oh and uh <laughs> nice uh it's it would have to it'd have to begin with a d right oh the last one yeah dark side and zod it, it could be almost anything at that point i, I think mm. we need to see where this goes before we fully speculate on the last episode because also i don't know how we're uh wrapping up in only two episodes well, if you would have asked me like last week, I would I would have no answer for you. But like that's again one of my favorite things about this episode. It just really excuse me moved the story forward with a lot of momentum in a in a great way. For sure. Okay. Uh, anything else to say about the episode before we transition to some feedback? Looking good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, apparently this um the Young Justice targets is coming out. June 14th. Oh, yes. I know that was at some point. Um, What's that? It is a six-issue comic series that is canon with Young Justice. Ooh. Tell me more. It takes place, if I remember correctly, between last season and this season. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Um, yeah. We'd mentioned that on the cast before. I just didn't recognize the title. Yeah, so I'm on Young Justice's wiki on the top. It says Targets and has like a new tab next to it. So I was like, what is that? Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, do you guys want the synopsis of the first issue? Yeah, give it to us real quickly. That sounds fun. All right. Queen Perdita has been kidnapped. Mysterious armored assailants have snatched the Vlatvian royal from between the bow hunter security, leaving Green Arrow and Black Canary poisoned and comatose in the process. Ooh. Now we're rallying cry echoes around the globe and across super teams to band together and rescue Perdita. Continuing the story of Young Justice Phantoms, now streaming on HBO Max, is the six-issue digital first Young Justice targets. And that's exactly what I was about to say, is it's digital first, and I have a DC comic subscription, so I know I'll be reading this. So there might be some time in the future, if this turns out to be good, that we do talk about it. Um, Lou Pulse, Lou Pulse, Lou Pulse. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. I'm all for the tied in content and having a conversation about the younger the young justice universe at large oh, sounds maybe, good ow. maybe we could get a sibling from a podcast that covers source material to join us for those maybe maybe i like the way that sounds <laughs> I know you're listening <laughs> that, that should spark an interesting <laughs> conversation <laughs> Ooh. <Spark>. <laughs> oh <laughs> the wordplay <laughs> oh it was in, it was intentional okay yes Check out our sibling podcast, Source Pages, a reading collective on the Stranded Panda Network today. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for some feedback? Yep. Let's I think we are. Cool. TJ Stafford. I actually haven't even read this once yet. Do you, do you want me to go over it? I can read. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm bad at reading. I'm practicing. Is that in question? The only reason I read the feedback is that <laughs> I can practice reading. I am literate. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep the accent for another day. (laughs) This is why I wanted the team to loop McGannon earlier. Don't say 
She would have been incredibly helpful when they first encountered Connor, and things might have turned out differently. She found out anyway, and I imagine she's going to be a little miffed that the team didn't include her in the op. I think they would have been better off trusting her with the truth. It's hard to believe we only have two episodes left this season, but things are definitely coming together. Except for Connor, he's sort of falling apart right now, literally. Hmm. Clearly, Phantom Girl coming back with the injured hand last episode was supposed to foreshadow Connor's injuries returning when he left the zone, but I totally missed it. Hopefully being back in his proper dimension, seeing McGann and Superman will clear up his confusion. These next two episodes are going to be so hard to wait for. Can't they just give us the ending three episodes like they do the first three? As <laughs> usual, I'll be on bated breath to hear what you guys have to say. TJ Stafford. Thank you, TJ. Yeah, I think TJ brings up some excellent points. We, you know, we made reference to that heartfelt moment where Orion brought up Rocket and then McGann's immediate response was like, hey, I tried to reach out to Rocket. I also tr- tried to reach out to Nightwing. I tried to reach out to Tigress and Aquaman and didn't get a response from any of them. So I think he's TJ's entirely right when she is going to feel a certain type of way. Like, sure, it'll probably be, you know, re- their relationship will be rehabilitated really quickly and like trial by fire and, and having to come together to defeat these Kryptonians. But I imagine that there's going to be some kind of pointed conversation about keeping secrets once again and Mm -hmm. them choosing to compartmentalize information for what they see to be the greater good. Yeah, it's one thing for Superman to say, I got to keep the secret. Like, it's kind Hmm. of like there's a sense of urgency if he has to say that. But yeah, when it comes to Nightwing and Batman, it's like, really, we're doing this again? Yeah. Um, And I I do have to say that, like, I think one of the beautiful things about Young Justice in the MCU is that, like, they make the mistakes. They take mm. those chances and they don't go well. Mm-hmm. And that's human nature and mm-hmm. Martian nature and new Genesis nature and all the natures, like, choices and consequences, whether it be positive or negative, And the fact that we actually get to that, that there's no right option is yeah. always a great thing that these things tackle. Yeah, it's just estrial nature. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the one thing I was also going to give credit for is I kind of agreed with the team the first try that they made to see if he was alive or not mm-hmm. when they said, you know, how is she going to handle this? We don't want to give her the false hope because that does make some sense. But I also agreed with what they were thinking at first of she might be a little reluctant. We don't want to give her that hope. Instead, Mm -hmm. they wrote her to be very real. The minute she heard Connor might be alive, she was fully on board. She was fully like, she even had that line that said, uh, you know, am I going to do anything to find that my fiance might still be alive? Yes, I will. Like, didn't miss a beat, jumped right in. As much as mm-hmm. we want to think human nature is to resist and say, oh, no, this person's probably dead. No, real people are going to hang on to any shred of hope you give them and chug right through to the end. And I thought it was a really good nuance of saying, all right, as much as we could have written her in the usual superhero way of, no, that person has to be dead. I saw it myself. They wrote Mm -hmm. it in the human way, despite her being a Martian, of people want to believe something that's going to make them happier. And that's exactly what she did. And I thought it was great because, again, it's a total dichotomy. And she's even making the mistake of believing it. She didn't resist Mm -hmm. at all when you Mm -hmm. probably should have a little bit of doubt. Yeah, yeah. Very well said. And as I listen to you both kind of break that down, my is kind of like, I got a little distracted just because 
I, I appreciate all the points you brought up, but like my kind of one of my takeaways, and I, I couldn't help but start thinking about this. It's kind of interesting that those two responses, McGann's response about, you know, or would I do anything to to save my fiance and bring Connor back? Do you even have to ask that question? And then Superman being the one that's keeping the secrets this time around, as opposed to Batman, both of those responses were to black lightning. So depending on how this all shakes out, I think we are really setting up black lightning for another, I told you so <laughs> moment, which is just so fitting because he's come so far since we saw him last season, he was so broken. And now he is such a, stellar leader for the justice league. And we've seen it before him mandating the mental health checks and just really showing up. It's it's great to see him again. And he's just an awesome character. I wonder when and if we're ever going to see his kids. I don't know. Yeah. Like I mean, he's a young justice the team with powers. Right. Right. Um, I just noticed TJ's uh, subject for the email and it stopped. Glamour time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. That's great. I can appreciate that joke. Well done, TJ. Yeah, I wish they had said it with that inflection in the actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at so there's a there's a part of the wiki that has Atana's spells and the, the translations are just reading it backwards. And the fact that one of them is just cartwheel away from me just had me laughing thinking about that scene where he just starts rolling backwards. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I didn't realize what she was actually saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's Those good boulders yeah. fall on my foes fire and then glamour hide the team mm, okay cool always nice to get those i mean i can catch some of them when i'm watching with subtitles i i always think actually i think uh, even beyond the subtitles that i have turned on they always like show what she's saying backwards and like the mm. show's own like built-in closed captioning right I've never watched anything for the first with, time with, with captions, closed so. captions. It still says them backwards. So you have to like pause and try and read it backwards. If uh, you were to actually do it. Okay. I, I guess I'm not really saying that the right way. So you can watch the show with closed captioning on, but then there are some times like w- with movies and with this show that they very implicitly like have their own subtitles on there. Like I think about Lorzod's final line. It was in a yeah, different yeah, language, yeah. but you, you could see it on screen. It said the galaxy yes. is yours. Yeah. I will say, with the amount of backwards talking we've gotten out of Zatanna, I don't think it was this episode. I believe it was last episode. She kept doing return and different things, and I didn't even have to read the subtitles. I was hearing it backwards and translating it in my own head because mm. we've just had so many that I've started getting good at it, which is kind of scary because I don't want to talk backwards. But <laughs> <laughs> Not advisable for most social situations, but you it's do. It's the you. anime effect. You get good at <laughs> subtitles translating to words in your head. It reminds, like your description that reminds me specifically of... Um... In Pokemon Ruby and Emerald, how you had to learn Braille to get through oh, wow. one of the chambers. But yeah, like, I sense. didn't know it was Braille at the time until I saw Braille. I was like, I can read this. And I mean, I don't remember it anymore, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like, you look at the cheat sheet and look at those reference, like the uh, like the cipher mm-hmm. over and over again. And you have to go through all these layers. And it's like, thank you animated content for teaching me braille and now apparently andrew can talk backwards 
<laughs> I, I had a similar one as a kid um, in Call of Duty Black Ops. There was a zombies Easter egg where there was Morse code on a lighthouse and you had to translate the Morse code numbers into the number of times that you would hit a steering wheel. So mm-hmm. a bunch of us just All learned right. Morse code in order to actually understand what was going on. And there was a period that, oh, yeah, I could just see it in movies when they would hide Morse code and like headlights and stuff and be like, oh, yeah, that's what that says. And parents try to say video games are not educational. Fooey. <laughs> Fooey. All right. Well, I feel like much like our heroes at the beginning of this series, since we started this podcast, we have gotten much older and much more experienced, a little world weary. <laughs> so let's bring this thing to an end. Let's get to plugs. What do you gentlemen have going on that you'd like to let the people know about? Well, I will start, as always, uh, follow Animation Deliberation on Instagram. That's where I put a lot of our content. And right now, specifically, is a great time to follow us. Um, going on as we speak is Star Wars Celebrations in California. This is their biggest news and announcement event. We've already got a bunch of live action trailers that we weren't expecting. And all of this upcoming Saturday and Sunday are going to be the panels specifically about their animated content. Um, we're getting the announcement of their new show, I believe, on Saturday. And mm-hmm. then a retrospective of Star Wars Vision Season 1 and some hints at Season 2 on Sunday, as well as conversations about Bad Batch. So as all of that news comes out, I'm going to funnel out some of the live action, but I've already posted some of the trailers because I'm excited and be putting those on our story. So if you want to see any of the animation specific stuff, I'm going to be doing the best that I can to keep up with that. And honestly, I do that all the time with any just relevant nerd news or animation news that's all on the instagram so you know Mm -hmm. as always give us a follow take a look at that i try and make it at least relevant or funny i had zoo hair cracking up the other day because i posted (laughs) a bunch of memes and he texts me like you're being too good at this so (laughs) yeah that's my one little plug of what's going on and if we get enough star wars news we have so much news and reviews that we want to do uh we might talk about some of that because we also have kenobi coming tomorrow which is a lot of fun Hello there. Yeah, real quickly, I got to sneak in while you're bringing up the Instagram. I did want to acknowledge Andre, Andre Sparks. We've gotten both pieces of your feedback. We mentioned the Doctor Strange one that we're sitting on. But if you check out the Instagram now, Andrew had a great post speaking about the Chippendale movie, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. That's on Disney Plus now. Uh, I think the plan at this point in time is to do a combined review of that movie because it's very much a combination of animation and live action with our spoiler review for mini spoiler review for Dr. Strange in which we can address both pieces of feedback there. So thank you, Andre Sparks. And yes, follow the Instagram, please. And on the note of our followers, uh, just wanted to say we have some of you that interact and it's always amazing. Um, Kyron Rial, Kyron Rial specifically, uh, happy birthday to you. You tagged us in a post earlier this week about that. And, you know, we love your Dr. Fate sweatshirt. Don't think you were going to get that Easter egg bias. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Suher, what you got? Uh, just for me, if you guys haven't started watching it yet, Spite. X Family available on Hulu is hilarious. It is a great show. The action is great. The storytelling is great. It's just, I don't know when or if we're going to cover it, but I'm just going to keep putting it out there because now memes come out as soon as the episode do for like every single episode. And it is just comedy gold. I love every second of it. And if you guys need new content to watch, that is the show to watch. I keep seeing it on my Hulu and I know you've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, what is like the status of the show? Is it in, 
it's, it's in its first season. Like, how many episodes is it going? Is it sub? Is it dub? What's, what's the deal? Six episodes out right now. It's okay. sub. Um, the premise is basically that there is a spy who is a master of disguise and very good at working alone, but his okay. next mission involves him having a wife and kid. Okay. And there's there's twists to the wife and kid that make it a lot more interesting. Okay. Very cool. I I need a new anime to watch. I tried, uh, what is it, Fire Force, and I, maybe I'll revisit it, but I got a few episodes in and it just wasn't grabbing me as much, but uh, I'll definitely check out Spy Family and we can talk about covering that. We're going to be having an off-air discussion here very shortly, but for myself, in addition to this podcast, you can find me currently on Bingers Assemble. It's the show on the Stranded Panda Network where we rewatch movies so you don't have to. So we're currently covering all the Jurassic Park films in preparation for Jurassic World Dominion, which I'm very excited for. So check that out. And as always, thanks for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed. Until we get out of the Phantom Zone, muscle, muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Ibotta makes it easier than ever for you to earn money while you spend money. With Ibotta, you get real cash back, not points, on your everyday purchases. Whether you're shopping for groceries, clothing, or electronics, Ibotta has cash back for you. Download the free app today and use referral code IHEART to get $5 for trying Ibotta. Ibotta, cash back made easy. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 